everyone. Dave Debo here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from St. Louis, Jimmy Vreeland. Jimmy is a very accomplished real estate entrepreneur, trainer. He is a he focuses on turnkey properties. He's got over a hundred of them in his own portfolio. He's helped other people get into hundreds and hundreds of these. He's got a military background. In fact, Jimmy, I think you're the first guy I've interviewed who is a graduate of West Point. So that's pretty nice. darn impressive. And he's also, he served a lot in the military. He became a, a ranger. He served in Iraq. He served in Afghanistan. He got out of the military in 2008 and plowed straight forward into corporate America, becoming a very, very successful sales rep. And then said, you know what? Enough of that stuff. Enough of this working for other people. Time to do my own thing. Jumped into real estate investing in 2014. Started focusing on single-family homes in and around St. Louis, built up a significant portfolio, and then started offering turnkey rental properties to other investors. And then in 2018, he started in the training business and helping people get involved in real estate investing and learn how to do it properly. How's that for an intro, Jimmy? Did I cover most of the bases? That's very complimentary. Thank you. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Jimmy. And I think you, we were talking a little bit off camera here. One of our favorite topics is the whole idea of raising capital. And you're talking about the visible versus the the seen versus the unseen or the visible versus the invisible. This, so what, yeah, what this, the heck does that mean? So have you ever seen that? It's not really a book. It's a pamphlet from the 1860s by a French economist, Frederick Bastiat. And it's called The Seen versus the Unseen. You ever heard of it? I have not. So you're going to be educating me about that here today. Yeah. So you can Google it. So Frederick Bastiat, he was a free market economist. Like, so 1860, they had lived through the French Revolution where the, you know, the reasonable people were guillotine, guillotine hundreds of thousands of people in the street. Yeah. And so he had saw the really nasty side of hypothetically well-intentioned people saying, hey, I'm with the government. I'm here to help you. He'd seen the dark side of that. You know, France was reeling from 50 years after the French Revolution, which ended in chaos, murder, and dictatorship. What a way to start off the podcast on a positive note, Dave. <laughs> so, so he's looking around and he's yeah. like, he's also an economist. And he, he was a wealthy economist, another real estate investor. And so he's looking around and he's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, Everything that is seen is way overvalued from what is unseen. And so, for example, you know, things going on today, a politician says, I'm here to solve this problem. Let's let's take any hot button issue we'd like to today. Why don't we start with the minimum wage, right? So I'm going to raise the minimum wage, Dave. What is the scene about that for most people? Why does it get any traction? Why does it get any traction? Because... Bottom line, in my opinion, the politicians trying to buy some votes is basically what it's all about. I mean, in my thoughts. Well, I would argue the scene on that is like, we want everybody to have a living wage. We want everybody to be paid amply. Like I'm an employer. I employ 25 people. Trust me. Nobody wants every employee. I want everyone who I employ to be fairly compensated and compensated well. No doubt. Happy so yeah, yeah the, this idea gets traction. Because the scene is, we all want people to be compensated well. And at the end of the day, we don't want anybody to be poor, right? Fair enough. 
Yep. So that's this, the first order effect, the seen. And so the unseen, though, is, look, if you look at most studies, and I'm not an economist, I just play one on the internet occasionally to my real estate customers. Most studies show that when you raise the minimum wage, it raises unemployment because of a basic, you know, basic supply and demand. There's not enough demand for the labor at the above market minimum wage price. Mm-hmm. And so that's the unseen, the second and third order consequence. Yeah, it makes sense, man. It makes there's a ripple effect, obviously, right? So employers can't afford to pay that new minimum wage to as many people as they used to employ before. So you got higher unemployment. The people that are working make a little bit more money, but there's more people not working. And then that's how jobs get outsourced overseas. Yeah. And the the politician who wanted everybody to see the first order effect so they could get what they wanted reelected has no skin in the game, does not care about the second, third, and fourth order consequences. It's like, we all want people to live wealthily. We all want people to do well, but you know, you can't always, and then people always overvalue the first order effects. Like, so in real estate, you know, you could say the 2008 crash, the scene was, I'm going to flip a house. I don't care what my risk is. I don't care how my debt structured. I don't care. I just see the appreciation happening right now. Right. And then the unseen came in and said, you know, people got burned, had poor terms on their loans. They didn't see that there was a bubble coming. And they got crushed because they at least didn't give a wink to the unseen and say, hey, maybe I should consider this. Fair enough. Yep, it's, definitely. So like, unless there's, whenever I see something on social media, I see something in on the TV, I love seeing the scene. And I'm like, all right, what's the complete opposite of that? What is not being seen? And then generally that's where I pick to invest. That's where I pick to spend my time. That's where I pick to talk about and have fun with. Yeah, one of my early marketing mentors, Dan Kennedy, had a saying that basically, if you want to be successful, look at pretty much what everybody else in your industry is doing and do the exact opposite. Chances are you'll have a pretty good chance of success there. Yeah, I love Dan Kennedy. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. All right. So how does this apply to raising capital? So what is seen, I believe that, you know, what's seen is it's hard to raise capital. Yeah, it's hard to get people to lend you money to buy real estate. That's I don't know of a more right now in the current market. Yeah, capital is begging for yield, walking on its hands and knees for yield. Like I'm going to banks, and they're like, "Please borrow money from me." <laughs> and like you know, when I first started, it, it wasn't like that. So for new investors, I think you got to get over the it's a confidence issue that you don't believe that money is begging for yield because here's what I see on the street in St. Louis is, you know, three or four years ago, a bunch of hedge funds started buying up houses and we do a little bit of wholesaling. Yeah. We started wholesaling the hedge funds and I'm like, what's going on here? I thought wall street was awesome. I thought wall street was safe and secure. And I'm like, these guys, these guys are the masters of wall street. Right. Why, you know, why, why are they, they buying single family houses in St. Louis? Right. Why are they buying, but why are they overpaying? Mm. The, the big question to me is why were they overpaying? And the, the answer to me is they're not looking for a 10% cash on cash return. They're looking for any return right now. Wow. Because capital's begging for yield. Like, you know, 
10, 20 years ago, there are no long-term fixed annuities anymore. There's no pension funds. There's no big secure investments anymore. That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there, this is Dave Debo, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio, and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's book at chatwithdave.com. Yeah, well, I mean, it just, it just kind, of, kind of makes sense. You look at what the interest rate is that you can get on a mortgage at a bank, and it's so ridiculously low, you, you just extrapolate. How is, how is anybody else making any return on their investment in traditional investments? Exactly. Well, then you got you to gotta go look for the unseen. Yeah. How do banks make money? is one question. The next question is, do banks even loan out their own money? And so do banks even loan out their own money? No, no, they don't. Very little of it. Yeah. So even at interest rates at 10% and interest rates at 3%, the uh, what's it called? The spread between rates, Uh, arbitrage. Yeah. The arbitrage with banks at interest rates at 3% and 10% are the same. Their cost of capital is different, but the margin they pull off it is the same. Wow. No, So it's like banks don't care. They need to get their margin. They need to push money out the door. Right. Yeah, that's what they're in business for. Makes and just because this, I love this idea. I'm getting a little excited about it. Like everybody right now is houses are so expensive, right? That's the scene. Mm-hmm. The unseen is that everything's for sale because interest rates are so low, because your cost of capital is so low, like run the math. What you'll spend on interest over the course of a 30-year loan, like in the States, it's 30-year loans for most houses. What is it in Canada? Well, you can have 30-year amortization. However, it's typically five to seven-year terms okay. uh, for those mortgages. So yeah, we can't lock it in as long as you guys can. But like, if people are interested, do, do the amortization calculator. Take a hundred thousand dollar house. See the interest you'll pay at five and at six, five, four, and three percent. That's your long term cost. The price of the house is everybody's wrapped around the axle on the price of the house or the price of lumber. If you're a house builder, who cares? Your long term cost of capital is almost close to free right now, which has its other fourth and fifth order consequences that can be dangerous. So just don't stop at second, third order consequences. Play the whole game, but uh, so what, what, walk us through if you don't mind, because this is this is a new concept for me. It's probably a new concept for some of our our followers as well. So what would be some of those third and fourth level consequences around super cheap money right now in your mind, at least, Jim? Oh, it, historically, this isn't an opinion. Super cheap interest prices create booms, mm-hmm. which are followed by busts. Yeah. Okay. So that's the big black swan scary thing. And then super interest rates are also correlated with the government's printing a bunch of money, right? Yeah. So they need to get this money into circulation. How's the government get money into circulation? Capital works projects, social projects, you name it. Bonds, which are then leveraged into loans, which are then sold to investors. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, There's no low interest rates without inflation, which leads to hyperinflation. 
Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, you gotta be hedging yourself right now against inflation. You gotta be hedging yourself, staying liquid, which is like a complete paradox. You wanna collect a bunch of these worthless dollars that are daily losing value. And, and yet you want to, so you wanna protect yourself from inflation, which you need dollars for. And then you wanna protect yourself from a bus, which you need dollars for. So you gotta collect a bunch of worthless, depreciating dollars to protect yourself if there is a crash that you're liquid enough to make it through and answer all your loan payments. Yeah, scary stuff. <laughs> not scary, not if you know well, the rules. No, not if you're prepared for it, but for the vast majority of people that are, uh, you know, kind of bumbling through life, which is a lot of folks, myself included sometimes, it's cause for pause. That's for sure. Yeah, this is one of the best rules I learned in the army. Like you can do really scary things if you're trained for it. You can do really scary things with a minimal amount of risk if you're trained. Makes sense. So how would that apply for, you know, Joe Public, who's watching this, Joe Investor, who's watching this, they've got a few properties in their portfolio. Things are going along all right for them. They're listening to you. They're going, holy crap. Now, what do I do? What would be some suggestions you would have for folks in that kind of a situation, Jimmy? So, yeah. So just know real estate doesn't fail. Real estate investors fail and they fail because they're illiquid, because they can't service their long-term debt. So, for example, when I first started, I went, I don't know if you can tell from talking to me for 20 minutes, kind of a higher energy guy, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I shoot name later. So <laughs> I looked, if I had, I was scrounging every um, dollar I had, I was trying to push into real estate in 2016 and 17. If I found a quarter under my couch, I would put it in the real estate, right? Got it. I had no liquid reserve. And so I got to a point where I was like, whoa, I'm really house rich and cash poor. Like this is an untenable position. Okay. And so that's actually how I started turnkeying. I got, luckily there was a big market for people who wanted to turn, you know, rented out properties. And so I was able to liquid and then get myself in a better cash position. So, so you liquidated a few properties, you got some cash, you got a little bit of a war chest in the, sit in the bank liquid there for you to help carry you over so should or when the crap hits the fan. Yeah. So every, I would say every real estate investor needs to have a liquid reserve of cash. And I know it's tempting because I used to look at the cash in my bank account and be like, I'm not getting any return on this money. And it's depreciating. I got to push it back out. And it's like, no, those little depreciating green dollars are your permission slips to take on debt to at least buy yourself time. Fair enough. So what, give or take, what percentage of your net worth do you think you should have liquid? I, I didn't like wake up one day and do this, but no. I built to having, you know, I want to have six months of debt payments sitting liquid and I don't like banks. So I put them in real estate or life insurance policy because cash inside life insurance policies at least keeps up with inflation and with very little minimal risk. All right. So, very good. Very good advice, Jimmy. Well, it's obvious that you are a smart guy and you put some serious thought into things and you're, you study the market and you study the economy. If people want to find out more about you and they, they want to connect and they want to learn alongside you or learn from you, where should they go? What can they do to check out Jimmy? So they should go to cashflowtactics.com. 
Mm-hmm. And then they can also go to vreeland-capital.com. If you're looking for education, me and my partners, Ryan and Brad, we teach all this stuff. We love teaching it. Top-notch education. And then if you're looking to lend money to buy property, go to vreeland-capital.com. All right. There you go. We'll have that definitely in the show notes. Jimmy, thank you very much for some insights, for giving us a good swift kick in the ass, a little bit of a, a shake up and a, and a wake up call there. I really appreciate it. I'm good it. at that, right? Yeah, but well, it might, maybe it's the military idea. I don't know. Were oh, you a drill I, sergeant? I were you a drill sergeant too, or what? what? What's going on? No, but my drill sergeants always made sure to give me special punishments. <laughs> but I, and I do have a giveaway, uh, okay. a giveaway for your audience. We have what a is five it? day. We have a five-day financial challenge where you can get square on your numbers, see how much cash flow you have versus your net worth, and it's cashflowtactics.com slash five-day challenge. Five-day challenge. That sounds really, really good. And that, people can enter that at, at any time kind of thing? Yeah, people love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely put that in the in the show notes as well. Jimmy, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. It's fun. It's thank you. Fun. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care. See you on the next episode. Well, hey there, thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, Investor attractionbook.com. Take care.